permission for that joke? Can I share that? I told them I appreciated them helping out because they took the team to a new level. It was a lower level, uh, but they took the... <laughs> but it was good though. Thank you for always being willing to help out in time of need. I appreciate you guys doing that. Um, there's been a slight change in the chapel calendar, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, first I want to talk a little bit about Friday's chapel. And some of you may be unfamiliar with what's, uh, what these uh, altars are in the front. So when you see people come and pray... Um, whether during, sometimes during song, sometimes during prayer, sometimes at the close of a service, sometimes we'll use language like the altar is always open. Uh, that's just within our tradition. This is a, a special and sacred place that you can come and pray. You don't need to be a member of the Church of the Nazarene or the Baptist Church. You can be Catholic, Methodist. You could have no faith. This is a place of prayer, and sometimes there are terms we use like put feet to our faith, meaning there is something that God is doing and stirring within us, and we just need to go forward kneel before him and kneel in community. You can also pray in your pew. That's fine. God, God is there as well. But some find great meaning and a, a special holiness and sacredness in coming to pray. And I just want to let you know, you are always welcome to come here and pray anytime a speaker uh, opens it up or even during worship or even during, during song. Just please know it's a place of prayer and you're not joining anything. Uh, we just want to be here to pray for you. You may also notice that uh, students will come up once other students come and, and uh, some administrators and some faculty. And we're just coming forward to stand with you in prayer. And someone may ask, can we pray for you? And you can just say, no, I'm, I just want to pray between me and God, and that's fine. Um, I ask prayer warriors if they could be a standing presence while students come and pray. So you may end up having students standing behind you, just praying for you, just a sign of support. So again, we don't want it. If this is new to you or it's something you haven't experienced, don't, don't be intimidated or afraid by it. Uh, we just want to let you know this is, this is a place of prayer. And I know Chelsea, maybe later in this service, will be opening it up for a time of prayer. Well, the chapel calendar, I'm scheduling a chapel calendar. I'm praying for continually. I've already been in prayer for the spring chapel calendar and scheduling that and already into next year. But I don't like to schedule it too far out because I like to see what God is doing in the midst of our community before I schedule our speakers that may be coming in a couple months. Well, I have colleagues at other colleges that have the calendar scheduled for two years out, which I just, I, I just don't know where our community will be, who we'll need to hear from. So I usually finalize it about a month or two before the semester begins. And that was the case here about early August. I finalized the calendar and we got the calendars printed. And, and then uh, Chelsea Maynard returned from her trip uh, to Thailand. And I read her, her sermon of her trip. And the first time I read it, I realized the entire community needs to hear this message. Uh, so I've made a change in the chapel calendar. I know I was scheduled to speak today. I speak about seven times a semester, so you'll have to put up with me again uh, throughout the semester. Uh, but today I wanted to introduce Chelsea. She's a student chaplain here at ENC. She is an exceptional preacher. And uh, she is uh, called to ministry, and that may connect with social work, that may connect with seminary, that may connect to pastoring, that may connect going over. She doesn't know yet, uh, but she knows the Lord has a call on her life. And uh, I just thank you for your respect that you have shown throughout these chapels, and I know you will give her the utmost respect. You know, you can be an intimidating group uh, to speak to, but uh, Chelsea loves you and cares for you and loves our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and I believe he's given her a word that we need to hear today. So will you please welcome Chelsea Mayer. Hello. <laughs> Anybody here speak Thai? Thank God, because I just butchered it. Uh, <laughs> I am so excited to be here with you all this morning and to be able to share just a little bit of what God is doing in my life and what he's been showing me um, and what he's doing in Thailand. 
Um, Would you pray with me first? (laughs) Papa God, I thank you so much that we're here together today. God, we know that this brings you so much joy to see your people gathered, just to celebrate who you are. Um, I thank you for the time of worship that we just had. And Papa, I pray that whatever happens throughout the rest of the service, that you would be glorified. God, I pray that everything that comes out of my mouth um, would glorify you and that I'll be faithful. You know, we pray. Amen. So I was really excited when Corey asked me to speak for many reasons. Um, but one of them being that I feel like I haven't given a, um, a truly acceptable answer to anyone who has asked me how my trip has been. If you've asked me, you've probably heard good or fantastic or it changed my life. Um, and those are all true, but they're also totally inadequate. Um, to describe what God did and what he's doing. Um, In fact, in preparing to speak this morning and the other times I've spoken, um, I struggled so much to decide what to say. Uh, God has done so much, and I saw so much, that choosing just a few things to share um, in a short amount of time seems impossible. Um, But I would be absolutely remiss and absolutely disobedient if I didn't tell you all about the victory um, that our Papa has and uh, the restoration that he's bringing to this ridiculously dark place. Um, For those of you who don't know, I spent two months this summer in Phuket, Thailand. Um, Does anyone know where Thailand is? Darn. Okay, well, (laughs) here it is. Um, Before I went, I had absolutely no no idea, but Southwest China, under Ch- or Southwest Asia, under China, excuse me. Um, and I was on an island called Patong in the lowest um, southwest corner. This is it. This is not a postcard. We took this picture. It's absolutely beautiful. And I was working with an organization called She. I think there should be a picture up there. Um, that focuses on working with women and children that are caught up in um, the sex trade. And so the place that we spent most of our time um, is called Bangla Road, and it's the major tourist um, hotspot in Patong. Um, On this road, there are over 200 bars and thousands and thousands of bar girls that work there, and it brings in millions of tourists every year, most of whom are European, American, Australian. And on Bangla, the biggest biggest draw to Bangla Bangla is prostitution. Um, It's the biggest moneymaker and it's completely commonplace. In fact, it's so commonplace that I've seen the price of a bar girl on a menu, a drink menu. And the funny thing is, is that prostitution is illegal in Thailand. Um, But this one road, Bangla Road, draws in uh, more revenue in about two months than the entire nation does annually. And so they can't shut it down. and the thing is that most girls working in, this, in these bars uh, don't want to be there, but have to be for financial reasons. The country is incredibly poor. It's classified as third world. Um, and culturally, it's the daughter's responsibility to provide financially for the family. And it often runs generationally. So a young child is brought up knowing that her grandmother worked in the bars, her mother worked in the bars, and she will go and work in the bars just to take care of her family. And so our ministry in this place, I was on a team with 25 girls, which is crazy. Um, And our job was to go into the bars 
and to make friends with the bar girls and tell them about opportunities for English classes and different jobs and most importantly just to love on them and to tell them that they are treasured and precious to Jesus and we also did a lot of prayer walking and interceding hours upon hours um, every night just for God's victory in this place and I have to tell you I have never seen a more broken place Um, this could get a little heavy but you guys need to know um, what's going on here no one knows who they are in this place I've seen women so desperate for love that they starved themselves and tried every kind of makeup and cosmetic surgery available and I saw men trying to prove that they're strong um, and impressive and good enough by buying women for the night um, and treating them like trash I saw women and men uh, tourists and those working with eyes that are completely devoid of life because they bought the lie that this life was all that there was Uh, Phuket has one of the highest suicide rates in the world um, mostly among the tourist population because people come here looking for that last great thing that last relationship uh, that that adventure to keep them going and when they aren't satisfied there's nothing left I saw um, Thailand is a Buddhist country to be Thai is to be Buddhist and I saw bar owners offering strawberry Fanta uh, to a Buddha who cannot hear them um, for good luck And I met countless people burned out on trying to appease this silent God uh, with all of his legalistic demands. One of the hardest things, uh, I saw parents leave their eight-year-old little girl at a bar with strangers um, and women dancing all around because they wanted to go get drunk for the night. I saw Russian girls uh, dancing in glass boxes above the street who we knew were trafficked. Um, taken and forced against their will to be there. I saw beautiful Burmese people um, who were treated like lepers and elderly cripples who were left to beg because nobody cared enough to take care of them. I saw beautiful men of God who'd been raised as little girls since childhood, uh, dressed up in ridiculous costumes and paraded around the street like animals and I saw tourists gawking and snapping pictures of God's sons like they were a freak show. I saw men with wedding rings entering closed bars, which feature ping pong shows and live sex shows. I saw bar girls slamming down shot after shot after shot to numb what was happening. And worst of all, I watched my beautiful, funny, smart friends um, be touched and purchased by men who are as lost as they are. Guys, I have never, ever seen so broken a place and yet a place so full of hope because God has ridiculous plans, ridiculous plans for Bangla Road uh, because my Jesus loves giving broken things new names and new life. If you have your Bibles, it's also going to be on the screen. Um, but turn with me to Isaiah 62, uh, verses 1 through 4. This is a verse that God gave me um, actually in preparation to go on this trip. But the whole chapter is good, and he's been revealing as I go just more and more in it. And I've edited just a tad. You'll see. For Zion's, or Bangla's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's, Thailand's sake, I will not remain quiet till her righteousness shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. 
The nations will see your righteousness and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. No longer will they call you deserted or name your land desolate. But you will be called Hebzibah, which means my delight is in her, and your land Beulah, which means married. For the Lord will delight in you, and your land will be married. So, see, in this story, Israel has seriously messed up. Um, they're dabbling in idolatry and turning away from God, and they tr- they're treating each other unjustly. And as a result of this disobedience of breaking that relationship with Yahweh, uh, they're sent into exile. Uh, basically, the kingdom is taken over. Thousands are killed, and the most valuable among them are taken as slaves. But in this verse, God gives them new names. They sound a little bit strange, but he basically says, You were desolate. No one wanted you. But now you are called, My delight is in her, because I love you. And you were deserted, alone, but now you are married, because I adore you and I have chosen you for myself. God does the same thing uh, all the time throughout Scripture, changing these broken names into restored ones. In Hosea, one of my favorite stories, he relentlessly pursues this wife that's cheated on him, and he woos her back. In Ezekiel, he breathes life into this army of dry bones destroyed by war, and he brings them back to life into an army for himself. God loves restoring brokenness. I'm convinced it's probably his favorite thing. And he absolutely loves using restored people to do it. Our team of 25 girls uh, was such a testimony to um, his redemption and his grace. We had girls on my team who had experienced sexual abuse, um, pornography addictions, eating disorders, anxiety, um, low self-esteem, and he restored us. He gave us new names and gave us the privilege of partnering in his passion for these women um, and for this nation. And he led us forth in victory. Second uh, Corinthians 2, 14 through 16 Um, became one of our favorite verses on this trip. And it says this, But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. I can't even tell you how many times we were stopped on the street by people saying that we are different, Um, We have light in our eyes. We have Jesus in our eyes. Um, He renamed us, and he gave us victory. And then he gave us the privilege of partnering with him uh, to speak his new names for his people over their lives. I had the opportunity and the privilege to love on some of the most beautiful elderly women on that street. Uh, There's a picture up here. This is my friend, Tuyai. Um... They were vendors and beggars, and they've ultimately been abandoned. The world tells them that they are used up and worthless and in the way. And I had the chance to pray healing over broken bodies um, and to embrace them, Tuyai and Busil, Marit and Mama. She had us call her Mama. And tell them that they are beautiful and precious and treasured and that Prayasu, Jesus, loves them. And more often than not, they wept because somebody touched them. Even if they didn't understand the language, somebody touched them and looked into their eyes and spoke true God-breathed names over them. That was probably my favorite part of the trip. 
Um, I also got to to have pineapple juice and speak with a couple men on the street, bar owners and tourists, and tell them that this was not where they were going to find fulfillment. This is my friend Charlie. Uh, and in doing so, I got to call them to a better name that Jesus has for them, of peer, of defender, of leader. And I got to preach to a Thai vendor who explained that he can only ever say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to Buddha. And I got to tell him that Jesus calls him forgiven and beloved and that he wants to know him intimately. I got to kiss Thai prostitutes on the cheek, my friends Minnie and Am and B and the other Am and countless others, and tell them that they are beautiful and precious and that they deserve something so much better because my papa calls them worthy and pure. And he's so in the business of restoring innocence and transforming identities. And he just kept showing that all summer long. When we first got there, they told us that we, we shouldn't expect to see a lot of fruit right away, um, nothing huge, because of the type of ministry that it is. It's a dark place. Um, and so we really rejoiced in seeing the little things, in uh, getting to pray over someone, or seeing one of the glass boxes above the street empty, or seeing Jesus on a shot glass. Happened, just saying. Um, but near the end of the trip, we did... Uh, get to see something absolutely huge, and God blessed us with that. Uh, One group that had been going out had been loving on a girl named Benza, who was a dancer, Um, and in speaking with her, they found out that it was her birthday. And so they bought her a present, made her a card, um, and brought it to her. And nobody does that. Nobody does that. People don't ask how these girls are. They ask how much they are. Um, And so... They bring her this present, and Benza starts weeping up on the bar. She's working. She can't get down. But up on the bar, she's completely overcome by the love of Jesus that she sees in these women. And the next week, they got to take her out and tell her about Jesus and give her a Bible. And they didn't see her for a little while. But the next time they did, she told them two things. One, she's no longer working in the bars. She's going to be a waitress. Praise God. Two, she met Jesus. And she called herself, in this conversation, she called herself a lily, precious and holy, words that the team had never, ever used with her before. It doesn't get better than that. <laughs> like, Jesus took a broken Thai prostitute who'd been called worthless, dirty, unforgivable, and he renamed her a lily, precious and holy. I just want to encourage each of you um, that this is not just for Thailand. He's been showing that to me more and more and more, is that this same restoration he so longs, so longs to bring here um, to our students, to this campus, to Boston. Regardless of where you are and what trial you're going through, Jesus already has victory over it. He just kept showing us that all summer long. We walk in victory as the fragrance of Christ because our Papa owns the place. And no matter how hopeless this stuff seems, he wins, and he's got his hand on it. There is no darkness too dark or situation too broken. Trust me. (laughs) He has a new name for you like he had for Benza and for these bar girls 
and for the men buying them. And he's got way, way bigger plans for you than you could ever imagine, which very well might. In fact, I'm pretty sure they do include being a light for those currently living in darkness. Guys, how he longs for us. There's a story in Matthew in which Jesus goes up on a hill and stands above Jerusalem and weeps over the city, begging them, begging them to let him gather them to himself. It says, like, a mother hen gathers her chicks. And I have to believe that he has that same passion, that same longing for this city, for this campus, for each person here. And not just to forgive us, because that's step one. But the thing about these new names is that, is that they transform us. He longs to transform us, to rip away every chain holding us back, and to attach us only to himself. He longs to make us pure and make us holy. Can you guys just see him up on the hill begging us to let him? At this time, we're just going to go into a time of prayer. Um, Chris, if you'd come and play. And I like what we did last week. Um, I'm going to pray, and then anybody who has to go can feel free. Um, Please go quietly. But if this is your heart, and if restoration um, individually or for this campus is your heart, then I invite you to stay and just pray. Um, The altar is always open, and the pews aren't going anywhere. Um, And so... So if God is putting this on your heart, um, like I said, for yourself or for this campus, because this transformation that he's offering is not just individual. It is, but it's also corporate. It's for this body. And so if this is your heart, I invite you to join me. Papa God, we love you so much. (laughs) And we're in awe of how good you are and how much you desire to love us and to restore us and to make us whole and pure. Papa, I pray for the individuals in here who are tangled in seemingly impossible situations, in paths that they can't um, get away from, that they're not proud of, and for those who don't know yet what it means to be restored by you. I pray that you touch them, God, that you reveal in their hearts the goodness of who you are and who you want them to be free to be. God, I pray for this campus. I pray that in all things, uh, we be a people after your own heart, God, that we glorify you in everything, that we'll know the freedom and victory that you offer and that we will walk in it every day. God, I pray for restored relationships, restored hearts. I ask that you give us uh, the eyes to see the potential in each other, the restoration that God wants to bring. And God, I pray that you, um, you lead us to call each other to it. And precious Papa, most of all, I pray uh, that you just call us each to radical obedience in you. And that you give us the courage uh, to stand and obey. Thanks for giving us new names. Amen.